You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Previously on Brains On, Molly was visited by two spirits late one night. Molly, we're the ghosts of your old shoes, the ones you threw my, floating ghost shoes. We've come to tell you to do an episode about trash. You'll be visited by three visions. One from the past. One from the present. And one from Hackensack, New Jersey. What? Wait, sorry, that's not right. Let me check my notes. Oh, it's one from the past, one from the present, and one from the future. Yes, the future. Huh? I'm awake. Was it all a dream? She thought it was all a dream. I just said that. But then, Sandin stopped by. Hey, Molly, this is my new invention. It shows you visions of the past. Jinkies, just like those shoes said in my dream. We can use it to learn all about the history of trash. Check it out. I am fascinated and also a little freaked out. Was it all a coincidence? Will Molly be visited by two more visions, one from the present and one from the future? Do ghost shoes smell like regular shoes, or do they have no smell because they are ghosts? Or do they smell worse because they are ghosts? Also, is Hackensack a nice place to visit? And do you know any cheap hotels or a nice bed and breakfast there? I need a vacation. Find out the answer to some of these questions in the next episode of Brains On, which starts right now. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and I'm back with Krisha from Shoreview, Minnesota. Hi again, Krisha. Hi, Molly. Happy to be back. We are happy to have you here. Today, we're answering this question from Cameron and Mirabella. We recycle and compost, but also have garbage, and we're wondering why we have garbage in general. Also, do we have any new tools or technology that will help with having less garbage in the future? Last episode, we looked at the history of garbage from the early days when we barely left anything behind to the days we fixed things and reused things, but also threw other things into dumps or the water. We heard about early efforts to clean up trash in cities and how plastic made our garbage problem even worse. And all of it was inspired by a creepy dream Molly had. Well, sort of. So, Molly, any more visits from those spooky shoes? Not yet, but sometimes I think I hear them squeaking in empty halls. So, Krisha, what stood out to you from that first episode? Did it make you think differently about trash at all? Yeah, at first I was surprised that cavemen people actually made trash. And in the 17th century, there was a lot less trash. Totally. And did, did it kind of change the way you look at the trash around you? Yes. How did it change it? I thought... Plastic was invented way before. Mm. 
Yeah, it has yeah. not been around that long, but we use a lot of it. Brains, brains, brains. Today, we are looking at what we do with garbage now. We asked our pal, Kunsong Dorji, to look into it, and he should be here any minute. Oh, I bet that's him now. What's up, guys? Just got back from a landfill, and I brought some gifts for both of you. Uh, thanks. What is this? It's a bucket of asphalt, of course. And for Molly, half of a Chia Pet. I have no idea how the Sprouts managed to remain intact. Thank you. So how was your tour? It must have been awful. It actually wasn't that bad. What were you picturing? Well, I was thinking you'd be surrounded by a sea of stinky garbage and seagulls and maybe some rats and visible stink lines. Oh, well, that's actually what we'd call a dump. Back in the day, people would go to an open plot of land and throw in whatever trash they had with no regard for the environment. Now, we use landfills and they're not like that at all. How are landfills different? Well, instead of one big mound of trash, landfills consist of a bunch of smaller mounds called cells. Think of it like a big ice tray. Each ice cube pocket represents a different cell. But instead of water, you're shoveling in garbage. Hmm, not sure how I feel about cubes of trash in my iced tea. Before the garbage is put in, each cell is lined with clay, plastic, and pipes. Why is that? Well, imagine a bunch of old soda cans, spoiled yogurt, and rotten fruit all in one place mixed with occasional rainfall. You can imagine all that stuff might make a gross goo that would sink to the bottom. To make sure those juices don't get in our groundwater, the liners and pipes are there to act as a barrier and funnel. So what happens once the liners and pipes are put in? Well, then we can begin filling the cells with trash. But remember... Only a few cells are being filled at a time. And while the trash is being squashed in, other workers usually build new cells to use once the current ones are full of trash. That makes sense. So what do they do once the cell is full? When that happens, workers will cap it by adding more liners on top, as well as dirt and grass to shield it from the elements. And once all cells are capped and the ice tray of garbage is full, the landfill itself is considered inactive. But that's not the end. Officials still keep an eye on it to make sure the landfill isn't hurting anything around it in the years after it closes. Okay, so why did you visit one in real life? Well, I found out that there was one in my neck of the woods, so I had to check it out. It's in the town of Manchester, Connecticut, and is still active today. And this was my guide. Hi, my name's uh, Raymond Carr. I'm the operations manager here, here for the town of Manchester Landfill. My day consists of building a mountain um, with trash. This mountain of trash, or garbage mountain as I like to call it, was off in the distance. Along it were trucks driving up to the top to dump their trash. But before the trucks reach the summit, the trash needs to get weighed. When we weigh ourselves at home, we stand on a small scale big enough for our feet. But at the landfill, they have a metallic red scale big enough for a commercial truck. Basically, trucks drive onto the scale in order for staff to monitor everything that comes into the landfill. Not only do the staff keep track of weight, but they also check exactly what's loaded in the truck with cameras and look over a waste manifest form, which is a fancy list that says what garbage they're bringing in to make sure that nothing is hazardous. What's the weirdest thing that someone's tried to bring in 
to this landfill. Ooh, that's a Ooh good the one. weirdest thing. Or we, like you, you know, we get a lot of that. I find very interesting is old boats. Oh. Uh, everyone, everyone has the boats at their yard, and you know they spent 20 years on them. They, you know, it was fun, and then eventually it's to the point where it's not worth anything. And then our, like I said, our big compactors break it down into basically, you know, toothpicks, like I said. So. The trash coming in through the scale comes from commercial businesses like construction sites, soil companies, and paving contractors. But everyday people also bring trash here themselves and sort it at a place called a transfer station. This is an area where all the residents for the town of Manchester come in, and we have different sorting areas for all of their products. Um, so as you could see when we were coming in, we had mattresses, we had plastics, we had cardboard, we had old propane tanks. The reason it's sorted is because some of it can be recycled. That stuff gets sent somewhere else. I would say uh, for the material that's brought into the transfer station, probably about 50% of it gets, you know, either recycled or, you know, repurposed in some way. That other 50% goes right into Garbage Mountain, which is where we're headed next. We drove up a winding dirt path for a few minutes. Finally, we reached the top of Garbage Mountain where trucks were unloading their waste. Landfill operators call it the working face because it's a specific area of the landfill where stuff is being added and work is being done. My working face, on the other hand, consists of a stern stare and raising my right eyebrow. Like this. Oh, very professional. Thanks. From on top of Garbage Mountain, we could see acres of trees as well as a marsh trail along the Hockenham River. And of course, underneath our feet was decades worth of compacted waste covered with fresh dirt. We're kind of watching, currently watching as a couple of vehicles are unloading some trash. We have a, a D6 dozer which is pushing up the trash and um, it'll be compacted by one of our compactors. The dozers he's talking about are tall yellow trucks on continuous tracks like a tank. They have big shovels attached to the front. They move around the entire working face, smushing the trash, and they're really noisy. Our whole concept is to take in the trash, compact it down as tightly as we can, and then cover it up. As I was standing there, it felt kind of weird. I didn't know why, but my feet didn't feel that steady. A lot of people that come up here for the first time, um, especially if a truck comes by, they don't realize the, the shaking of the ground. And I'm not sure if you could feel it right now, but because we're technically on trash, um, there's, there's some give there, so. As we continued walking, I also had another thought. Actually, it doesn't smell as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> Turns out, the lack of smell is not only because trash is covered with dirt, but also because of gas collection wells stationed throughout the landfill. You see, when trash breaks down, it creates a gas called methane. It's a powerful greenhouse gas capable of trapping more heat than carbon dioxide. To keep it from getting into the air, Ray and his team capture the gas in gray pipes sticking out of the ground and burn it in something called a flare, which produces less pollution. That not only keeps the air cleaner and cooler, it also keeps the dumping site from smelling. If the gas collection system was to shut down, it would smell like a rotten egg. Is, is what it would smell like. And I think we all know what a rotten egg smells like. A fart. He's talking about a fart. Garbage Mountain would smell like a giant fart and nobody would want that. Ooh, so that's why you don't smell that bad. Exactly. My day on Garbage Mountain was actually really pleasant. And who knows, 
Maybe in a couple decades, I'll be back and it'll be turned into a park where I can dilly-dally aimlessly. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. It's cool that he brought us presents. This old Chia Pet's kind of cute. I think I'll name it Smushface. Presents. Present. Molly, Koonsong totally gave us presents and a vision of the trash in the present. Your dream is totally coming true. What? Oh, I guess he did, but it's just a coincidence, right? I don't know. First a vision of the past, then one from the present. That's a lot of coincidence, Smalley. It really is. Okay, well, before any more mysterious coincidences pop up, let's deal with a mysterious sound. Time for the... Here it is. All right, Krisha, what's your guess? I don't really know. It kind of sounds like the wings on a helicopter. You know, like it moving, maybe it taking off. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll give you another chance to hear it and guess again in just a bit. Stick around. We're working on an episode all about superstition, and we want to hear from you. Superstitions are things that you might consider good luck or bad luck. Like something I do for good luck is when I go through a yellow light, I kiss my fingers and then touch the roof of my car. So we want to hear what are your superstitions, good luck or bad luck. Send them to us at brainson.org contact. While you're there, you can also send us questions, ideas, mystery sounds, and drawings. That's where we got this question. Hi, my name is Emerson from Swanton, Ohio. I would like to know if ants like sugar and sweet things, why don't they attack beehives? We'll hear an answer to that during the moment of um at the end of the show. Plus, we'll also hear the latest group to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. So keep listening. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly. And I'm Krisha. And this is the mystery sound. Again. So last time you were thinking... Airplane, maybe. Something airplane related. Do you have any new thoughts? Maybe like a helicopter. Mm. I'm not sure. I think it's the same still. You're feeling flying through the sky one way or another. (laughs) That's the sound of a trash can being taken out to the curb. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So not flying through the sky, but, but moving, traveling. I think the air, I think the sound of the traffic threw you off. Yeah. It sounded whooshy, Mm -hmm. but those wheels were rolling. Yeah, and so you're not familiar with the bin because you just, you take yours out to the dumpster, right? Yes. If there's a sound associated with you taking out the trash, what would it be? It would mostly be our steps walking over (laughs) and then a huge smack because we have to close the bin and it sounds loud. Those dumpster lids are very loud and heavy. 
and throwing trash in rolling bins or dumpsters, it's easy for us to forget that every bit of trash we make still exists and has to go somewhere. It's much better to use less stuff and reuse things before throwing them out. Here are some examples from our listeners of how they reuse potential garbage. Hi, my name is Cora from Cincinnati. I like to take old shoe boxes and turn them into dollhouses. It is really fun on rainy days. Hello, Brains On. My name is Rowan, and I'm from Minnesota. And we reuse as much as we can, like making an old takeout box into a soda oven. We have backyard chickens. Sometimes when we have leftovers, we throw the food over the fence to our chickens. Then the chickens eat the food and give us eggs back. My name is Wilder and I'm from Marietta, Georgia. One way I reuse trash is I reuse my toilet paper and paper towel rolls by feeding them to my guinea pigs to eat because cardboard is a part of their diet. Hi, Greens On. My name is Astrid from Chicago, Illinois. We had a canopy tent up one night. The wind was really harsh. When we woke up, the canopy was on its side. We recycled the metal and found that the tart part was not ripped. With one piece, we can make a table cover for our picnic table. And with the other part, we can make covers for our two air conditioning units and our grill. We will secure the covers with bungee cords. A big trashy shout out to Cora, Rowan, Sybil, Wilder, and Astrid for sending in those ideas for reusing trash. Okay, time to get back to our episode. Right, we've got to wrap up with the vision from the future, just like a dream said. Krisha, it was just a weird dream. It's not like someone's about to barge in with a vision of the future. <gasps> hey, Krisha and Molly, I have a vision of the future to tell you about. Oh, hey, Ruby Guthrie. Okay, you're right. This is no coincidence. Let's just go with it. I want to see how it turns out. Hey, y'all. I'm back, back, back again. And wow, did I have a weird dream last night. Of course you did. It was those ghost shoes. They planned all of this, right? Ghost shoes? That sounds completely wackadoodle, Molly. No. I just dreamed I started a ska cover band called No Trout. We got lobster on drums, sea bass on bass, naturally, and Ruby on lead vocals. Ruby, you really need to stop eating seafood platters right before bed. Yeah, you know, that's probably a good idea. <clears throat> you said you had a vision of the future? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, I've been doing some research on the future of trash, and it really depends on the way we produce waste in the first place. Right now, the way we create trash is really linear, like a straight line. So you start at one end of the line and you buy something, like your pair of shoes, Molly. And then you use them. And eventually you throw them away and they go to a landfill. That's the end of the line. And what we need to focus on is turning that straight line into a circle 
Meaning, instead of the shoes sitting in a landfill, they get reused in some other way, or are made of materials that can easily decompose and break down naturally. Okay, but I already threw my shoes out. How will we deal with trash that's already in landfills? That's a good point, and you're totally right. The trash in landfills is going to stick with us well into the future. But there's lots of researchers working on ways to help, like Jyoti KC. Hello, everyone. I am Jyoti KC. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Illinois at Chicago. So do you remember how landfills are covered with soil? Well, Jyoti is developing a layered soil cover that would help capture harmful greenhouse gases, and all while using waste materials. We are um, kind of using this waste byproducts from the industries and then uh, giving this uh, sustainable cover system, which can uh, remove all these harmful gases from the landfill and make our environment cleaner. That's right. Jyoti is using materials that would otherwise be considered waste and using them to help capture gases. It all starts by creating soil that's super yummy for bacteria. That's the base. The soil has a lot of microbes in it or those, um, you know, bacteria in it. So those, some of those bacteria can eat methane as their food source. Mmm, scrumdilliumptious. Normally, bacteria is already in the soil, but Jyoti makes it even better for them. If we want to increase their number, we need to give them a favorable environment. So what we are doing is we are using this um, product uh, or a byproduct called biochar, which is, which is more like a charcoal. It's made from burning organic materials like yard scraps or waste from farms. So that biochar, it has this property, unique property, which allows microbes to sit on it or because it has high you know, surface area and it also allows oxygen to pass through. So the biochar gets mixed with the soil, and that's the base. This makes room for more bacteria to gobble up more methane. Sheesh, this methane is off the hook. Mm, excellent flavor. Superb mouthfeel. One person's trash is another bacteria's treasure. A tasty treasure. But while the bacteria eats up the methane, they're releasing CO2. Oh, excuse me. So Jyoti adds another layer to the cover. And then on top of that, we are using this steel slag, which, which looks like sand. So steel slag is basically a waste uh, material which is generated during production of steel. Generally, they are just thrown out or just stockpiled outside the steel plant or they are sent to the landfill. But that steel slag is filled with minerals like calcium and iron. And these minerals react and capture the greenhouse gases, be it carbon dioxide or hydrogen sulfide. And it also helps capture the smell too. So let's review. First, you've got the soil and biochar. That's for the methane. And then that's topped with the sand-like slag. For carbon dioxide and hydrogen sulfide. Right, like a layered cake. Well, a layered cake that absorbs toxic gases from landfills, but I digress. Not only does the soil cover capture harmful emissions, but it uses waste materials too, getting at that circular way of consumption. And while we can help combat the harmful effects of landfills, we should still think of them as a last resort. 
there are lots of other ways we deal with trash. For example, incinerators. Many countries, including Denmark, Sweden, and Japan, rely on incinerators, especially if they're tight on space. They take the trash, then they burn it, and energy released from the burn generates power, which can be used to heat homes or supply electricity. That way, you're at least getting energy out of the waste. Right. And it reduces the volume of trash by up to 90%, which gives you more space. However, we're still burning materials, which creates air pollution. So incinerators aren't a long-term solution either. Agreed. And don't get me wrong, these technologies and scientific discoveries are great. But the best thing we can do is consume less stuff to begin with. Before we even talk about any particular technology, we should really think about why do we produce so much waste in the first place? And how can we produce less? That's Professor Sintana Vergara. She teaches environmental resource engineering at Humboldt State University. Sintana says when it comes to changing our habits, we should look to other cultures and older generations. If you talk to your grandparents or your great-grandparents if they're around, they did not produce a lot of waste at all. Um, They grew up in times that were very different from ours. They didn't buy as much stuff. When things broke, they fixed it. Like patching up old clothes or repairing a piece of furniture. Sintana also says when we're thinking about the trash we create, we also have to think about the people and the communities who are affected most by our waste. So unfortunately, a lot of times the sites for places that that smell bad or create air pollution have often been selected to be near people um, who are poor and near people of color who don't have as much political power. So it is really important, I think, to think in as we're thinking about making active choices about what we buy and what we throw away, thinking that, um, you know, what we throw away doesn't disappear. It actually ends up near someone else. Right. It's important to remember that away is always somewhere and near someone So changing the way we deal with our trash is important not only for us, but for our neighbors and our community. Our trash can certainly be overwhelming, but it's important to remember that waste can be a resource. Like how Jyoti uses waste materials for the soil cover. Or how incinerators transform our trash into energy. Exactly. And you can transform things too. Maybe you make jewelry out of old bottle caps or sew all of your old t-shirts into one mega fashion statement robe. That sounds pretty cool. Or you can always turn food scraps into compost for your garden. Somebody say compost? Oh yeah, I could really go for some banana peel right now. Ooh, that reminds me. I need to go turn my compost. You know, before the bacteria gets hangry. Just remember, get creative. Embrace, don't waste. Thanks, Ruby. Bye. See ya. It takes lots and lots of people to make all the waste we put into the world. So a bunch of us need to work together to fix it, too. When we work in groups, we can make big changes in what we throw away. Here's someone who's done that. Hi, I'm Mabel, and I live in Berkeley, California. 
I first got interested in zero waste and reducing my waste when I walked into my third grade classroom on the first day of school. My teachers started the lesson and the day by saying that as a class, we weren't gonna have a trash can. So my class in third grade fit all of our trash for the whole year, which is 180 school days, into a one quart mason jar. It was really a team effort because if one person brought in trash, we had to add that to our thing. And so it was really our whole class working together was what enabled us to have that such a small amount of waste for the year. There are lots of ways you can reduce your waste. In Mabel's classroom, they used reusable materials wherever they could. For example, metal silverware that could be washed instead of plastic silverware you throw away. And they used big, shareable supplies so they'd have to throw away less packaging, like a big, refillable glue bottle rather than plastic glue sticks that end up in landfills. Being in that zero-waste classroom really changed my life because it showed me how much of an impact we have on the world and the earth and showed me how much humans have impacted the earth and the plastic waste that we produce really is very harmful. Try not to bully yourself or be hard on yourself if you do end up using plastic because right now in the U.S. and in certain areas and most of the areas around the world, it's really hard to get completely zero waste because you're going to have to buy something eventually that has plastic or you're going to have to use something that has plastic. So I think really if you're trying to limit your landfill waste, you should make an effort to be mindful about what you as an individual person, what you're adding to the waste and also educate others because um, then more people will be aware of the problem and they will be able to help you um, achieve your goal. Okay, I have to admit, that was all pretty uncanny how the episodes ended up just like those floating ghost shoes said it would. You did tell the world about how we need to be better about what we throw away. Yeah, I guess I did. Molly, Grisha, it's us, the old shoes. Ah, they're real. You did a good job, but there's one more thing. Yes, you told your listeners to help by recycling, reusing, and most importantly, reducing their trash. But also tell them, pour cereal into your shoes. Yes, pour cereal in us. We like that. And hug us more. Yes, hug your shoes. It feels good because we love you. Farewell! That was weird. Let's let's just end there before things get even weirder. Theme music, please. Most of our trash goes into the landfill. It's packed together and covered in dirt. Landfills are the least sustainable option, but there are ways we can transform our waste for the better. The best thing we can do is make less waste in the first place. We all make trash, but working together, we can move forward towards a more sustainable future. That's it for this episode of Brains On. 
Brains On is produced by Sandin Totten, Manika Wilhelm, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, and Molly Bloom. We had engineering help from Eric Romani. Our production intern is Catherine Sundquist. Dan Latou is our digital intern. Special thanks to Jacqueline Omania, Kunsang Dorji, Eric Ringham, Vicki Kreckler, Stuart Bloom, Angie Timmons, and Nat Elhai. Before we go, it's time for the moment of um. If ants like sugar and sweet things, why don't they attack beehives? Well, actually, ants definitely do find and um, attack beehives. Hi, my name is Dr. Lina Nino, and I am a bee researcher and educator at UC Davis. They usually go after the brood, which is the developing honeybees inside the colony. Um, They will go inside, take away the eggs, so you can often see them carrying the eggs out of the colony. And they can actually uh, devastate the colony, so they can kill the colony by essentially stealing the brood from them. Usually with the ants, for some reason, they are not quite as capable of getting rid of ants themselves um, as effectively. And I'm assuming it probably has a lot to do with the size and sheer number of the ants that can come in. So we can definitely help bees um, prepare for ant attacks, and this is what we often do by putting um, usually soapy water at the bottom of the hive. Um, hives are usually on stands, so for example, cinder blocks or little uh, legs, essentially, that they can sit on. So we can put some soapy water in, for example, um, tuna can and we can put the feet of those hive stands in there and that usually will help with and prevent ants from going inside the colony. Of course, you have to make sure that they keep clean so the ants can't crawl over the dust and debris. Um, So there are definitely a few ways that we can help. Um, um, um... This list of people is pretty sweet. It's the Brains Honor Roll. These are the listeners that send in questions, drawings, mystery sounds, and high fives. Ella and Elise from Honolulu, Nandini from Bath, England, Ava, Ezra, Aiden, and Abby from Toronto, Harper from Tacoma, Washington, Leo from Hanover, New Hampshire, Solomon from Chicago, Mazarin and Bowden from St. Paul, Minnesota, Dorothy and Josie from Laurel, Maryland, Lillian from Seattle, Kaylee from Pittsburgh, Scarlett from Tilson, New York, Zane and Zori from Laguna Niguel, California, Ava from Auckland, New Zealand, Selena from Greystones, Ireland, Amos from Youngsville, North Carolina, Arhan from Kathmandu, Nepal, Delina from St. Louis, Miles from Wyoming, Michigan, Pearl from Philadelphia, Arjun from McLean, Virginia, Emerson from Stowe, Massachusetts, Brooklyn from Spring, Texas, Blake from Beach Lake, Pennsylvania, Iggy from Brooklyn, New York, Ava from Muscoda, Michigan, Emma from Rockville, Maryland, Olive from Seattle, Stephen from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Thomas from Holmdale, New Jersey, London from Seattle, Avery from Helena, Montana, Vincent and Evie from Reno, Nevada, Will from Newton, Massachusetts, Oscar from New York, Krish and Kashav from California, Isla, Josh and Summer from Farnham Common, England, Brady and Rory from Beaverton, Oregon, Alex from Russell, Kansas, Quincy from Portland, Oregon, William from Winchester, Virginia, Magnus 
Chris from Toronto, Avni from Los Gatos, California, Ivan from Los Angeles, Camilla and Benicio from Azusa, California, Oliver from Lake Mills, Wisconsin, Remy from London, United Kingdom, Wyatt from Los Angeles, Hector from Leamington Spa, United Kingdom, Sophia and Gennaro from Toronto, Lyra and Dylan from Newport News, Virginia, Hadley and Sadie from New Hampshire, Alice from Cincinnati, Ewan from Everett, Washington, Julia from Barcelona, Spain, Elwin and Lucy from Toronto, Izan and Faizan from Oakville, Ontario, Lily from Perth, Australia, Alex from Columbia, Missouri, Matilda from Gross Point, Michigan, Sarah from Carborough, North Carolina, Ari from Chicago, Luke, Kyle and Maggie from Middlefield, Ohio, Clara from Perth, Australia, Sam from Guelph, Ontario, Jacob from Buffalo, New York, Joaquin from Lagunitas, California, Jerusalem and Jericho from Tarzana, California, Emmeline and Octavius from Hebron, North Dakota, Avery from Asheville, North Carolina, and Tsukasa from Ebina, Japan. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening.